When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode... A renowned environmental consultant and former professor of climatology discusses the Green New Deal and the radical progressives behind it. For the first time in history, you have a Jesuit pope, and what does he do? He goes out and he hires a guy by the name of Hohenzollern, who is a German climate specialist, but he's a pantheist. He believes in a world of less than one billion people and that the capitalism is a sin. And the Pope, in his encyclical, is pushing all of this stuff. This podcast is brought to you by Paranormal Contractors. You'd be shocked to know how many people are experiencing some kind of paranormal activity in their home or business, perhaps even some kind of spirit oppression. It's not something that's discussed in public for fear of ridicule, but it is happening. And maybe it's happening to you or someone you care about. Now make no mistake, this is a serious matter. And my good friends at Paranormal Contractors treat it with the seriousness it deserves. Paranormal Contractors is a division of crime and trauma scene cleaners, and they'll come to your home with the latest and best technology to investigate, authenticate, and remediate your ghost or demon problem. Why not put your mind at rest and take that first step? Call them right now at 1-866-724-0800. one 866 724 or email them at paranormalcontractors at gmail.com and tell them Richard sent you. Check out their YouTube channel, Paranormal Contractors, for things that go bump in the night. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard Serrett. Hey, welcome to your Wednesday. Now, first order of business. I want to express my sadness and anger and solidarity with the people of Sri Lanka. The suicide bombings on Sunday, Easter Sunday, killed at least 290 Christians attending Easter services there. Hundreds and hundreds more were injured. A radical Islamist group, ISIS, has claimed responsibility, and it can't be repeated enough. 
that Christians are the most persecuted religious group in the world, and nobody in the West seems to care. These Christians were martyred, and for this to happen on the holiest day on the Christian calendar, the day of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is beyond, beyond evil. Everyone, no matter who they pray to, must feel safe to worship wherever they are. Now, it's interesting that on Monday, I interviewed an astrobiologist by the name of Chandra Wickramasinghe about the panspermia hypothesis. And then, shortly after recording the interview, we heard this horrible news, and I heard the name of the Prime Minister of Sri Lanka is also Wickramasinghe. Now, I'm not sure if they're related or whether that's a fairly common surname in Sri Lanka, but I thought that was rather odd. Hey, just another reminder that I'll be hosting Coast to Coast AM this Friday, April the 26th. Hope you can listen. Go to coasttocoastam.com for a list of affiliates so you can find a station near you. The Green New Deal is a proposed stimulus program that aims to address climate change and economic inequality. The name, of course, refers to the New Deal, a set of economic reforms and public works projects undertaken by President Franklin D. Roosevelt in response to the Great Depression. The Green New Deal combines Roosevelt's economic approach with modern ideas such as renewable energy and resource efficiency. Recently, a pair of resolutions sponsored by New York Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Senator Ed Markey failed to advance in the U.S. Senate by a margin of 57 to nothing. But that doesn't mean you've heard the last of the Green New Deal. Many Democrats seeking the nomination for president continue to push the idea of a Green New Deal. What is it all about and who's behind it? Here to discuss is Dr. Timothy Ball. Dr. Ball is a renowned environmental consultant and a former professor of climatology at the University of Winnipeg. He served on many local and national committees and as chair of provincial boards on water management, environmental issues, and sustainable development. He is the author of The Deliberate Corruption of Climate Science. Dr. Timothy Ball, welcome back to Conspiracy Unlimited. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And as always, thanks for the opportunity. My pleasure. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, when it comes to the Green New Deal, Tim, she says, I'm the boss. But (laughs) what qualifies her as the boss exactly? Um, This mad world, which uh, allows uh, people to uh, sound off about things they know nothing about, and they become media darlings and... uh, and, and all that happens is they get to display their ignorance. Uh, but in the meantime, they, they can do an awful lot of damage, and uh, she's in that category. One of the things I like to point out about her, of course, uh, two, well, several things. One is that she's got, got a degree, I understand it, which shows how, how little you learn in, in universities. Um, the second is she was a bartender, and bartenders supposedly learn about life, but she clearly didn't do anything there. And the third thing is uh, you now know why the Founding Fathers uh, said you couldn't be president until you were 35 years old. <laughs> well, here's the, the, the interesting uh, question, though, uh, and yep. that is where did she come from? Who, uh, some have suggested uh, yep. that she is essentially an actress, that she was put 
she was she applied for a position, you know, to be the spokesperson or as you say the spokesmaven. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And what what is the organization? Who's behind her? Well, of course, this is uh, Patrick Wood, is, who's got a website about technocracy and, and technocrats. And the technocrats are, are people who basically run the world but are never identified. They're always behind the scenes. And one of the things that they're particularly good at is uh, what I call plausible deniability. Um, I mean, Obama was uh, very good. He was obviously in, in high profile, but Obama was a master at uh, being involved in causing all kinds of problems, but never being able to pin them to him. It was always somebody in between him that, that uh, took the blame. And what, what you, what's going on now are these technocrats pick people like Ocasio-Cortez and, and um, make them uh, front people. They they uh, they uh, create them. They're they're sort of little Frankenstein monsters that they create and then they can can control. And um, this they're never the the people that control them are never then held directly accountable. And they can pursue things that are absolutely insane that that any normal person would would not even attempt to try. And and um, whatever they can get away with, that's what they'll get away with. And they'll dump these people. I mean, when you when you look at what went on at the Kavanaugh hearing, they went out and found all all these. And unfortunately, it tends to be women in many cases. They got all these women that were quite willing to get up and and uh, and, and say, you know, I, I this happened to me and that happened to me and so on. And and um, where are they now? The minute they the minute they've uh, usefulness is gone, they're dumped. They're gone. And this is what will happen with Ocasio-Cortez. Once they, uh, she's no longer the darling, she'll be replaced by somebody else and um, disappear into the mists of history. Now, this Green New Deal, uh, she didn't come yep. up with this. You say it, it no. comes from Agenda 21. Well, it's based around Agenda 21. Now, my understanding is that this uh, new Green Deal, which wasn't new, wasn't green, and wasn't a deal, uh, was actually put together by three um, very left-wing uh, group, uh, groups uh, that, that uh, pe- cobbled it together, and that, that it then gave it a nice title. And, of course, this is, uh, this, this is what, you, what you do, is you give something a nice title, and, uh, and that gives it some credibility. Um, and people, uh, first of all, you've got to find out what it is, but then in every single case, and with this new Green Deal, for example, as I said, it's not new. It's, it's, it's old ideas about, oh, uh, we've got to save the planet, and uh, uh, capitalism is destroying the planet, and uh, we've got to get rid of all the people on the planet and all these other things. And, and it's cobbled together into um, actually at the front for a political agenda, which is, of course, total control of people. This idea of using the environment uh, to control people is not new, and it's been very, very much a theme of the left. For example, uh, not many people know that the, one of the first uh, people to use the green and environment uh, was Hitler. Hmm. Uh, he, he, um, uh, he realized or he, he understood that the people were getting mad at him because of the attacks on the Jews, and so he wanted to divert their attention from what was going on. So he decided that the way to do it was to get them out into the countryside and get them thinking about saving the forests. 
And this is why he built the autobounds and why he built the cars, so that people could be taken out of their urban environments and, and uh, commune with nature. Uh, but, of course, the minute he got into power, all of that just went right out the window. So this idea of, of the left using the environment as, as a, a basic controlling factor, uh, oh, you know, we're saving the planet, and if you don't uh, go along with us, you, you don't care about the planet, it, it's absolutely a marvelous device for control. Well, here's the thing, and I have to admit, and this is why maybe she's so dangerous, she does have kind of an endearing quality about her, and she uh, she has a great story, right? It's kind of not exactly rags oh. to riches, but that's, I mean, it's a very compelling story she has. Of course. But go, go, and, look, go and listen to Hitler's speeches. Go and see how much he, uh, you know, is a public speaker, and he honed his skills. And, and, he, and he, he crafted them to, to control people. I mean, this, this is what's frightening. Uh, it, it, and Benjamin Franklin warned about this. You know, here comes the orator with his uh, fancy words and his, and his uh, lack of reason. And, and, of course, you can apply that to Obama, to Ocasio-Cortez. So they, they know how to pick these people. When you're casting, you know how to pick people. And, and of course, if you can get people, and by the way, most actors are not very bright. You got only got to look at Hollywood to see that. I mean, when when you when you have uh, the the uh, Oscars, which is uh, uh, the ultimate in narcissism of self praise, and what are you praising yourself for? For pretending to be other people. I mean, this is this is incredible. And so to find uh, someone that will fill a role for you, Obama was clearly picked, clearly picked by by somebody uh, because um, he had. He was he was uh, African American, but not African American enough to scare people away, right? I mean, Alan Keynes, the uh, the, the uh, African American who always ran for president, yes, and he said, "Look, he's not black enough," and 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 so, but 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 he was brown enough to uh, satisfy uh, white Americans. Oh yeah, we're 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 doing the good thing. We're voting for an African American for president. I mean, the whole thing was, was crafted, staged, and, and Obama, I mean, look, look at all of the debate that went on about uh, his paperwork and his documents. And look at the, the role of Valerie Jarrett, who, uh, go, go and look at her, her high school yearbook, where she says, I'm a Muslim, and I'm, and I'm going to make sure that Muslims get respect in, in this world. And that's what she did, and she did it uh, uh, using uh, Obama. And what happened with people that dared to question Obama? Oh, well, you're a birther. They right. created a category to, to identify you and marginalize you. Uh, you know, instead of, like, oh, you're one of those conspiracy theorists, or you're those, one of those climate change deniers. So it's very easy to marginalize anybody that dares to question your creation. And this, this is what they're absolute masters at. Well, here's the, the thing, though. And I, I mean, she's not clearly she's not a, a a great actress because she hasn't learned her line. She's she she really doesn't know her role yet because you know people are just picking holes in her in her uh, talking points and she can't she can't uh, clearly enunciate you know the difference between capitalism and socialism. She really doesn't know what she's on about. However, despite that, you have other uh, uh, presumptive uh, nominees for the Democrats who are. Who are buying into uh, her, you know, her her Green New Deal, and 
I, I don't understand. Also, you have cities now in the in, in the United States and in Canada. Uh, I believe the city councils in in places like Kingston and Ottawa and elsewhere are uh, what are they calling it? The state of emergency they're declaring over climate change. You know, we have twelve years left. She has, uh, despite her all her her shortcomings and her inability to articulate, she has tremendous power. Of course, but how many people understand uh, that, how that, that she doesn't know very much? I mean, you, your, your knowledge allows you to identify the limitations of her knowledge, but the vast majority of people are, are, need, are not even that aware. So to, to create somebody and, and to, to uh, fool the majority of the people, which is all you need, I mean, you know, all you need is 50% plus one, and, and uh, you're on your way. Uh, but also, yes, you, you, you say, well, if, if, if she doesn't work, then she creates a, a, an atmosphere and, and she'll create copyrights that will uh, uh, perpetuate uh, these ideas that we want, that, that um, you know, people have to give up all of their rights and all of their individualism in order to save the planet. It's that underlying theme of, of what she represents. So they'll get, they'll cast her off. They'll pop somebody else into her place very quickly. That that's that's not a, a problem at all. And and your your comment about the cities, um, th- this is another side to what's going on. If you remember when the whole um, uh, Agenda Twenty One and and um, this whole thing began, and and the, the climate issue became an issue, it was. Through Mars Strong and, and the Club of Rome and, and as I said, uh, Rio, and, and one of the themes there was that you think globally and act locally. That's what's going on now. You see, when they set up Agenda 21, it was never designed to be adopted by internationally or by any individual nation. If you talk to people like Elizabeth May, she'll tell you, oh, no, no, it's optional. It's not compulsory. Well, she's absolutely right. But what they, what they did behind the scenes, they, and I mean, of course, Maurice Strong was the architect of this. There's two things they did. They took control of uh, our, uh, the climate and environmental issues through the bureaucrats at uh, the national weather offices and national resource offices in every country in the world. Environment Canada was a major player in the formation of the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. They send more representatives every year than any other nation. And, of course, Murray Strong knew that if you got the control of the bureaucrats, you therefore had control of the politicians. So McKenna knows nothing. She only knows what the public, uh, the bureaucrats at Environment Canada choose to tell her. Right. That's our so, deep so, state. That's our deep that's state. Our, that's exactly. Uh, the, the deep state pushing the fake news. Okay. The second thing that Morris Strong did was that he, he said, no, we're, we're going to uh, uh, introduce uh, this plan, not at the inter- international or national level, but at the municipal level. How many people are aware that in July of 2018, there was a conference in San Francisco that the World Bank put over $1.2 billion into, where they flew in mayors from all over the world and municipal leaders from all over the world to educate them into how to introduce a climate action plan in their city? This is, this is the acting locally. 
Right. And right. of course, it, it's much cheaper. Those those uh, a, those smaller agencies are are much more easily bought. You don't need the money to to buy them off and persuade them. And and of course, once you've got control at that level. Then that gives you the control all the way up. And and for and, and citizens so, who are curious as to whether their city is buying into this, they can look for there's certain key words that yep. that city councils and regional planners will use. One of them is they'll put smart in front of something. Yep. Exactly, smart smart meters, smart plans. But uh, the the key thing is to look for is your municipality or city implementing a climate action plan. And that, uh, and you Google that, and it'll give you all of the information about it, what's going on, and that's what what you're referring to when you talk about all these cities um, uh, doing exactly that. So they're following through on their original slogan of thinking globally and acting locally. And and so, uh, yes, you can say Agenda 21 is not being implemented at an international or national level. But it is being implemented at the municipal level, right? And they're introducing it into the curriculum, and they're yep. and now they are they are they are using children. I mean, this yep. is a form of abuse, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, they, totally. They they yes. they put placards on them and they send them out into the streets. And these children, God bless them, they don't know what they're on about, nor should they. They're 11, 12 years old, and they're they're striking. Uh, for climate, uh, you know, uh, to to combat climate change, and they're filling their heads with this horror story that we have twelve years left before it's all over. That's abuse. Right, exactly. And that twelve years, by the way, came from the United Nations. They they had a special uh, meeting in which they announced there was twelve years left because they they wanted to promote it through the children and through people like uh, Ocasio Cortez. But but let's bring in another part of that. You see, it's no coincidence for me that the Pope is a Jesuit. He is the first Jesuit ever to be Pope. Even though the Jesuits were founded, uh, what, three, four hundred years ago by Ignatius Loyola. And what did the Ignatius Loyola say? Ignatius Loyola was the first to say, give me the child and I'll give you the adult. Right, right. A- and of course it was because of that, of the the control of the uh, laws of the Church and the, being the police of the Church, that they would never allow a Pope to be, uh, or, uh, be a Jesuit. But now, for the first time in history, you have a Jesuit Pope, and what does he do? He goes out and he hires a guy by the, by the name of uh, Hohenzollern, who is a German uh, a, a climate specialist, but he's a, he's a pantheist. He believes in a world of less than one billion people, and that uh, capitalism is a, is a sin. And the Pope, in his encyclical, is pushing all of this stuff. And 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 so that that and then the idea that you do this through the children and through the religions is exactly what's going on. Now, who was the second person in history to use the children and to create a, a, a youth movement? Mao Zedong. And, well, Mao Zedong was, was one, mm-hmm. but the other big one, of course, uh, b- before him even, was uh, Goebbels and, ah, and yeah. Hitler. Right. The Hitler Youth. Right. right? And he said, give me, give me the children, I'll give you the adults. Right. And they, they indoctrinated them, and as I said earlier, a very central part of that theme was environment and green and saving the planet. And, uh, you know, you're a citizen of the earth before you're a citizen of anywhere else. 
and and uh, therefore you're under our control. So all of these things are coming together, um, and and they're manifesting themselves in uh, this uh, Agenda 21 and and what is going on with AOC. She's just a, 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 a one of the classic examples of it. But the fact that she doesn't understand or doesn't get it right is of no concern to the people that are pushing the message. The message still gets out there. Right. And and let's just talk a little bit about this Green New Deal, which, as you say, is not green, yep. it's not new, and it's no deal. But the the idea here is they want to... Uh, convert, imagine this, convert the entire U.S. energy supply to renewable energy in 10 years. I mean, you know, we, we thought Kennedy promising to go to the moon in within the decade would, would be, uh, you know, unimaginable. Imagine trying to, to convert the entire U.S. energy supply to renewables in 10 years. But here's the problem with that. It's like with socialism. Uh, they say, oh, we want to have socialism. But it's failed everywhere it's been tried. And it's been tried for 250 years since com- Mar- Marxist's uh, Communist Manifesto. And then and the answer they come back with, oh, well, you know, it hasn't been, done, hasn't been done properly before. Well, sorry, it's been tried every which way you can imagine, and it still failed. The same is true of alternate energies. They have been tried. But what one of the things you see that they never did, and this is one giveaway to all of this stuff, is if a proper cost-benefit analysis is not done, then you should be extremely suspicious. No cost-benefit analysis was ever done of any alternate energies, because, and the reason is because they knew uh, it would it would fail. If they do an analysis, an economic analysis, they do either a cost only or a benefit only. I mean, look at the climate change issue. What, who said that global warming was an was absolute problem? There are a lot of benefits to global warming. You ever hear them talk about them? No, because the IPCC was set up to only look at the negative impacts of warming. Right, right. Well, right? And, absolutely. And, and, I mean, yeah. So, yeah. I, I was I'll just, give you an ex- okay, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Sorry, Tim. Go ahead. No, give me an say, example. They, they, in, in, uh, in, in Britain, uh, they, they said, well, we want to do an analysis of the, uh, the global warming package. And they hired a guy by the name of Stern, who was an economist, Lord Stern. And they said, we, we want you to do a study. And he came out and said that it, it's a, an absolute uh, disaster. But he only looked at, at the cost. He never looked at any of the benefits. Well, no self-respecting economist would ever do only a cost or only a benefit study. But this is what they're doing every time. And, and so, when you, for example, with wind power and solar power, the single major problem that is at the present time insurmountable is you only can produce the power when the wind blows, and you can only produce power when the sun shines which means that at least 50% of the day, you're not going to get any. And, and, and so until you can find a way of storing electricity with some degree of efficiency and, and, and cheapness, uh, alternate energies will not work. They simply cannot work. And what most people don't know 
is when you have wind energy, wind, wind uh, energy production, you always have to have what they call spinning generation. That is, you have to have coal-fired plants running at 100% ready to pick up if the wind drops off. Because they found uh, Denmark, for example, they went to about 15% to total wind production, uh, and they found that if the wind dropped off, it, it shorted out their whole system because it's put such a sudden demand on their energy system. So they passed a law saying that wind can only be 12% of the total production. And in fact, they've reduced it below that uh, since. So in other words, when you had alternate wind energy, you didn't reduce the amount of, of CO2 that you were producing. In fact, you increased it. And you made your system uh, even more unreliable than it was before and even more expensive. And the reason, it, the only reason it appeared inexpensive was because of the massive government subsidies that went to it. Right. Take right. all of the government subsidies out, and they are not even uh, competitive in any way, shape, or form. This past week, I received my first bottle of CBD oil from Ancient Life Oil. It's made in the USA from American non-GMO industrial hemp and then blended into a base of coconut, hemp, and grapeseed oil for maximum absorption. It's one of the highest grade, non-psychoactive, gold grade CBD oils on the market. And I'm excited that I've been able to add it to my daily regimen. Researchers believe that the anti-inflammatory properties in CBD can affect in a positive manner epilepsy, diabetes, cancer, cardiovascular disease, cell growth, immune function, and may provide relief from anxiety and stress. It may promote bone growth and act as a natural antibacterial. So much relief in one little bottle. Order your 250 milligram bottle of CBD oil from ancientlifeoil.com. The Ferrari of CBD products. Ancientlifeoil.com. If there's one thing money can't buy, it's sanity. <laughs> Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Retired professor of climatology and environmental consultant, Dr. Timothy Ball is here discussing the Green New Deal. Here's a cost analysis from the American Action Forum. And they yep. find that the Green New Deal, as laid out by Ocasio-Cortez, and uh, we should also point out Massachusetts Senator Ed Markey, uh, right. would cost up to $93 trillion in the first 10 years. $93 trillion. I mean, you could tax every billionaire in the United States at 100%, and that wouldn't even scratch the surface. Yes, but, but, but you see, that, is, that in itself is frightening, and it's, it's the sort of thing that will persuade a politician. But then when you add to that, that even using the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change figures, that trillion, or what, 36 trillion, or whatever it is, would only reduce the global temperature by 0 0.7 degrees Celsius by the year 2050. 93 trillion for 0 0.07 degrees. That's a yeah. bargain. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it, it, 
and and by the way, this isn't new. Again, this isn't new. This is why Obama wanted the Paris Agreement not as a treaty, because if he made it a treaty, then he'd have to get Senate approval for it. Now, what happened the last time they tried to get a climate uh, control treaty through the U.S. Senate? It was called the Kyoto Protocol. And it went to the U.S. Senate for approval, and a, the senators didn't want to vote on it because they didn't want to appear to be uh, not appearing green. In other words, they, they knew it, was, it wouldn't work, but they didn't want to uh, have to vote to say that because then people say, oh, you're not green, you don't care about the planet. So what they did was a very clever political trick. They created the bird a BYRD, Bert Hagel resolution. That was two senators, Senator Bert, Senator Hagel, called resolution. And if you go and read the Bert Hagel resolution, it was, um, it, it, its objective was to decide whether or not they should vote on the Kyoto Protocol. Hmm. Okay? Right. And, and, and it, well, in, in the analysis, in the, in the debate on that, and it's a really interesting to read, they determined that the, the, for the cost in terms of jobs and damage to the economy and for the, the gains that it would give, it just simply was not a good investment. And so on the basis of that, they voted 96 to nothing again to, to uh, not vote on the Kyoto Protocol. And, and of course, uh, that's why Obama knew that the Senate would do exactly the same thing. They would look... Not, they wouldn't look at the science because they say, we don't understand the science. We're going to look at what, what do we get in, in return for this amount of money and this investment and change in our energy. And they decided it just simply wasn't worth it. And that's the same thing this time. And, and uh, when, you, when you consider uh, that with, if, if you introduce the Paris Agreement in total, in total, it would reduce the global temperature by 0.7 degrees by the year 2050. It, it's absolutely laughable. That's why Trump didn't even bother looking at the science. He just said, no, this is a bad deal. And not only is it a bad deal, but what you're doing is you're punishing com uh, countries for being successful, making them pay for their success, and then giving that money to the unsuccessful countries. Uh, and uh, they... This is a, well, blabbering a bit. Peter. No, no, no. But after after the Kyoto Protocol was exposed, and it was exposed not by what was wrong with the science, but by by the science and the scientists who created it. In in two thousand and nine, they were going to have a tree a meeting in Copenhagen, and this this is what they call the Conference of the Parties. The Conference of the Parties is a group of bureaucrats and politicians who determine how much money uh, they're going to spend on climate change and climate change research each year. Every year before they meet, the inter Intergovernmental Panel of Climate Change come out and say, oh, it's terrible, it's worse, we need more money, we need, we need to pursue more of this. Well, they were supposed to meet in 2009 in Copenhagen to approve the Kyoto Protocol. 
in November, a month before they were supposed to meet in Copenhagen, somebody leaked a thousand emails from the Climatic Research Unit in East Anglia, which is where all of the scientists that were controlling the Kyoto Protocol and its production were working, and all of the uh, uh, corruption of them cooking data right. of them, so, you know, all of all of, of what was going on was exposed. As a result. The Kyoto Protocol did not get approved in in uh, Copenhagen, but of course these people don't miss a beat. The the following year in Durban, uh, they introduced a, a replacement for Kyoto called the Green Climate Fund. Now the Green Climate Fund was then scheduled to uh, do exactly what Kyoto was doing, but it had a different name that that uh, about 23 countries in the world had to put $100 billion into a, a bank account in South Korea. And this was going to be redistributed amongst the countries that uh, were supposedly damaged by the capitalist development of these wealthy countries. And, and uh, it, the Green Climate Fund uh, was scheduled to be ratified in Paris. That's what the Paris... Uh, conference of the parties was all about was ratification of the green climate fund it got ratified there and uh but because it was not a treaty america didn't have to uh, approve it and because they wanted to get every country to agree to it they said it was optional and of course what's happened since they passed the paris climate agreement trump pulls out Virtually no country has put any money into it. The only country in the world that's put its full share in is Canada. Mm -hmm. We <laughs> stupidly put in $4.2 billion. And, it, and, and by the way, the last meeting of the Green Climate Fund, which is chaired by an Australian, and it was, it, it's a bank account in South Korea, held in South Korea. The, the, the last meeting, the, the chairman of, from Australia canceled the meeting because not enough people showed up and not enough money had gone into the Green Climate Fund. The whole thing is collapsing around their ears. That's great and news. And the world is not being told. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and, not, and I mean, not that it makes any difference because, because I know, you know, and where you stand and I, I also agree about CO2 levels and how, uh, you know, they, they are ins at insignificant levels. But uh, yeah. even with all of this, and the United States now, for the first time, uh, achieving energy independence, their yep. emissions fell and Canada uh, went up. Yep. Now, I, yep. Wanted, I wanted to bring this no, to... But, but, yeah, but just, just to reinforce that, even under Bush, since Bush, American levels of CO2 have been falling. Why? Because they made it voluntary. They said, they said to industry and American business, look, we, we uh, would like you to... We're not going to enforce regulations or make you do it, but um, look, if you can find ways to reduce your CO2 output, we would appreciate that. And of course, this is what's beautiful about America. They, they do what's best, what they think is best for the country. Now, in this case, it, it isn't necessary, but nonetheless, they did it anyway. And, and so the, the idea that, that you could only achieve these things with government regulation is blown out the window right there. But, but of course, this is what it's all about. It's all about government control and government telling you how to behave and what to do.
I wanted to talk to you and, and get your take on this new uh, study that just came out. And of course, this is not being, uh, you're not going to hear this on the CBC or CTV. A new scientific study. This is from uh, researchers at the Potsdam Institute for Climate Impact Research. Uh, Potsdam Institute for Climate Impact Research. And they've just published their findings. The study finds the current CO2 levels of 410 parts per million were last seen on Earth 3 million years ago. The study also found that during this time of global warming, long before the industrial age, there were no ice sheets covering either Greenland or West Antarctica, and much of the East Antarctic ice sheet was gone. The researchers concluded temperatures were up to 7 degrees Fahrenheit warmer globally, and sea levels were 65 feet higher. That's then today, when we have SUVs. Okay. First of all, that, that institute, that Potsdam Institute, its initials are PKI. The chairman of it was the same guy that was advising the Pope, that helped the Pope write his encyclical. Okay, that's the source of this information. Because of what happened to them after their his dealings with the Pope, they realized that they had lost credibility completely. So they've gone back and tried to reestablish their credibility through this research. Now, what they're talking about, first of all, the 410 parts per million as the current reading is meaningless. Nobody knows that. The only source of that information of 410 parts per million for the current atmospheric level of CO2 is the IPCC themselves. They control the uh, weather or the uh, stations that record CO2. They're all based upon the Mauna Loa uh, registry, which was created by a fellow by the name of Charles Keeling. And Keeling was amongst the very first to start claiming that human CO2 was causing global warming. And when I say the first, we're talking back in the late 50s. And he decided that he was going to set up a measuring device to determine uh, the, the levels of atmospheric CO2. So he created and patented a system that is now the Mauna Loa recording station. The family owns the patent. The family, that, that patent is used in about a half a dozen CO2 measuring stations around the world. The patent is held by the family. The son, Ralph Keeling, holds that, that patent. He is a, 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 a professor at the Scripps Institute, which is the major center of the pushing of human-caused global warming, and he is a member of the IPCC. Okay? Bit of a conflict and of so, interest there, I'd say. Oh, unbelievable conflict of interest. And, and, and uh, as, as I said, look at, they, they've got, what did they start the record in, in 1978, I believe it is. It shows a constant increase in CO2. Well, you go and look at the ice core records, there's no period that long of steady increase of CO2. It's just illogical. And, and, uh, and so the, the, what they're clearly doing is they're clearly making sure that the uh, re recorded level of atmospheric CO2 that goes out to the world increases every single year. And that's why this uh, Potsdam people are saying it's 410 parts per million. Um, and as I said, 
when when you actually uh, they told us by the way that co2 is uh, uh, uniformly mixed throughout the atmosphere and then the first NASA satellite that went up to measure CO2 in the atmosphere showed it was enormously variable over the whole planet. And the major areas of high levels of CO2 were over the rainforests in the southern hemisphere, not over the uh, industrialized areas of, of northern Europe. So everything they've told you about CO2 and its levels is false. Uh, we do know that uh, the average level of CO2 over... Uh, the last 280 million years has been about 1,200 parts per million. We know that from the geologic and other evidence. And um, and that's that, optimum for plant growth, right? That's what exactly. far, farmers pump that into their greenhouses. Exactly. And and also all of the experiments done by Sherwood Itso and others. And by the way, if people are interested in, in, in uh, uh, the best CO2 uh, climate science uh, website is just simply CO2 science, capital S, CO2 science.org. And um, Sherwood Itso and his son Craig do an incredible work if you want to learn everything you want to know about CO2. So, so all of this stuff about CO2 and its relationship to, to temperature, uh, I mean, just, when you look at the 600 million year record, uh, back in 432 million years ago, uh, the atmospheric level was 4,500 parts per million, and we had an ice age. Right. It doesn't correlate at all anywhere. In it the, seems in to the be a lag. It, CO2 seems to be a lagging indicator. Well, it is a lagging indicator, of, and if you look at the ice core record, which is now extended back to 800,000 years, when it first came out, uh, everybody jumped on it and said, oh, yeah, you know, look, here, here, the temperature's going up and down, the CO2's going up and down. And I remember uh, one of the uh, French uh, scientists, Jousel, J-U-U-Z-E-L, who, who produced this work, said, look, don't rush to judgment. This is about an 8-centimeter-long graph of 400,000 years. The details are not seeable in in this graph. Well, within five years, they found out that uh, throughout the whole record, the temperature changed before the CO2. Yes. Now, they quote 800 years, but actually it varies from an 80-year lag to an 800-year lag. And, and even that is, is, so even that's put out as a distorted figure. And every record that I know about of any length, even short-term records of 20, 30 years, there is a lag between the temperature and the CO2. Tim, where can people read your latest uh, blogs? Well, my latest blogs are on my website at uh, drtimball.com or .ca, D-R-T-I-M-B-A-L-L.ca. And I post a, a Twitter notice every day, and I try to get a new article up there about every three days. And uh, there, uh, I've got hundreds of, of articles on there that are all designed not to talk down to people, but to be understood by the majority of people. Because, of course, one of the ways that they pulled this scam is by jargon and writing. This is what the academics do. They create a jargon, which then gives them control over the information. And when you, when you learn their jargon, you find out they're saying absolutely nothing. But, but that, that's part of the, the game of academia. And, and so I've written these articles in a way that the, the public can understand them and, and, and uh, read them uh, with, with, with basic understanding. Well, uh, Tim, keep fighting. And I don't know, yep. I have a sense the tide is turning. How about you? 
I think it is. I think that uh, the, fa- the fact that the Paris Agreement is collapsing, uh, that people are, are starting to ask questions, and the fact that the uh, White House hired Will Happer, who is a, a physicist, emeritus professor, who challenged the whole uh, global warming physics of CO2 of the atmosphere, and he's just been hired because the way uh, Trump is approaching it, he's saying is that climate change is a uh, is a security issue, and it's being used as a security issue, and therefore we're we're going to uh, get the the proper science. And Will Happer has been hired by the White House to do that, and I think this is part of the change that's occurring. The, the other thing is that they took control of the EPA which was the agency, the bureaucracy that Obama used to push the false agenda. All right. Well, some good indicators on the horizon, I'd say, that people are starting to wake up. Tim, thank you so much for this. Always a pleasure. Thank you very much. Okay. Before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'll be back in a flash with a few words about the next installment of Conspiracy Unlimited. If you're a fan of this podcast or my weekly radio program, The Conspiracy Show, or my YouTube channel, Strange Planet, I hope you'll consider becoming an official donor. A donation of $50 a month places you in the Star Chamber. $20 a month is the Whistleblower tier, and a donation of just $10 per month makes you a truth seeker. Star Chamber and Whistleblower members can participate in an exclusive monthly online chat or video conference with me. And all donors are entered into a monthly draw for Strange Planet merchandise. Any monthly amount is welcome and greatly appreciated. To become an official donor, go to patreon.com forward slash strange planet. Patreon.com forward slash strange planet. Coming up on episode 216, Dr. Stephen Greer, the founder of the Center for the Study of Extraterrestrial Intelligence and the Disclosure Project, discusses close encounters of the fifth kind. Suddenly four of these ET craft materialized in the sky, but a photograph of that event ended up on the front page of the paper, and this fell on the radar scope of the CIA and NSA and Pentagon, etc., and they reached out to me. And basically, there were two two camps. People were going, "Wow, that's really amazing! You from the Rosetta Stone of interstellar contact." The other were going, "What the hell do you think you're doing?" Until then, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting.